0: Hi, I'm Serial.
1: And I'm Umberto. And we're the hosts of So You Think You Can Rule Persia. A
0: podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Dayokis to Yazdegerd III. If you've been
1: enjoying the story of Alexander and friends, you might be curious as to what was there before. What after?
0: We'll be discussing the lives and myths of every ruler of Persia before ranking them all and
2: deciding who is really worthy of the title of King of Kings.
1: We hope to have you along for the ride! Welcome to the Alexander Standard. Today's episode, Perdicus. Welcome to the Alexander Standard, where we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great from Perdicus to...
0: Cleopatra Seventh.
1: My name is Dustin.
0: And I'm Meredith.
1: And if we sound a little bit jovial right now, we both did the intro and then both did something to mess it up. <laughs> um so we did it again. Uh Hey Meredith.
0: Hey Dustin. How you doing? I'm good.
1: Fantastic. Let's get through some um announcements first
0: so thank you for joining in with us so this is our fifth episode but it's actually going to be the first one that we have recorded post-release of the first four which were the introduction philip and alex part one and part two so this is the first one where we're going to be able to incorporate a lot of your feedback and start addressing some of your questions Probably most importantly and most commonly, we've been asked exactly what type of order we're going to be going in. So, starting today with Perdiccas, we're going to go largely chronologically up to 280 or 281, with the idea being there that once we reach that year, the dust kind of settles and we have three main empires or dynasties to look at. So, we'll have the Antigonids in Macedon, the Seleucids in what was mostly Persia, and then the Ptolemies in Egypt, but going back to the idea of going chronologically from Perdiccas to 280, we're also going to go in order of when these successors died because there is a lot of overlap.
1: That was awesome. Thank you, Meredith. We also had some general questions from our Lovely audience, which we're so excited about, so we can finally address. But, oh, Meredith, no, you had the update about Alexander getting the four-foot spear in his chest. As you may remember, we mentioned that Meredith has a friend who's a nurse practitioner, or... or
0: yeah, he's a nurse practitioner.
1: And we, were, and we were just speculating, man, he's wonder what he would say to this, and Meredith has the answer.
0: Yeah, so I spoke to him, and he said that it's not... The most far-fetched idea that Alexander would have survived that wound, and a that he four-foot
1: ha- spear to the chest.
0: It was an arrow. Oh, I'm sorry. And that he has seen worse and definitely learned about worse in medical school. But to summarize, he said, "So long as it didn't hit an artery, hit the windpipe, or as he called it, the food tube. Really, <laughs> all all you would have to worry about is infection. And as he said, infection's not going to take down Alexander the Great, but dirty water will."
1: Yep. We also had some questions from our burgeoning Australian audience, which is just awesome. <laughs> and I'm referring to some awesome questions from Chris and Brad. Chris made a really good comment about uh, how Alexander's empire ended up so lopsided to the east. And let's see the quote, Chris. He might have been lucky not to have someone come from the west or the north and take Macedonia from him. I think it's a great point, And I 100% agree with him because even though Alexander, as we're going to see, left people behind as he progressed with his empire and including in Macedon itself, it was still very poorly defended because some troubles did pop up and those troops he left behind had a tough time. So yeah, he's very lucky lucky that there wasn't just someone who could swoop in. And I think we see this in other empires, like with the Romans, when they get just knee deep in civil wars and things, they're lucky that someone doesn't come take advantage of them. But again, sometimes they do. And we also got a a question from Brad, who now this is something I love because Brad, I really like that he disagreed. He thought uh, we were too harsh on Alexander, and that's one of the beauty of these things. Like as we said before, like these rankings are just for fun. We're not pretending that this is like you know an academic fact or anything. Uh, Brad pointed out that Alexander won every battle, and that's got to count for something. And I 100% agree. And I, as I told Brad. The only area where I differed there was that Alexander was kind of reckless, I feel. And if he was unlucky, then we would have remembered him a lot differently. But, we, but no one can take away from the fact that Alexander had a lot of talent, because he did win every battle, and that's got to count for something. And so that just goes to say, like, please send us questions and comments, and if you disagree on anything or if we get anything wrong, please let us know. And I cannot resist to tell you today, like, when I was researching Perticus, the guy does not last very long, but oh man, we have a lot of information about him. And I relied heavily on a book called Ghost on the Throne by James Rom. Let's see, when did this come out? 2012. In the humanities, that's still pretty recent. So, you ready? Yep. Let's do this.
2: Do it. Perdicus <laughs>
1: Just deadpan stare. All right. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't resist like nerding out all week, and I was like, "Oh, you'll never guess what I just found about Perticus. Enough, and eventually Meredith had to tell me to stop because I was just ruining the story for her.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: so this is gonna be fresh for you. Let me.
0: Yeah, but I still feel like I largely know nothing. I just know there were a lot of like, "Oh my gosh," and I was like, "Shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up."
1: I think a lot of that. As always, let's we'll start with the etymology of his name.
0: I do remember this.
1: All right, Perticus means
0: partridge that's
1: right and now i have a confession to make up until this moment in the 37 years of my life i thought a partridge was a type of pie i had no idea it was a bird
0: but the 12 days of christmas even says partridge in a pear tree
1: and for some reason i don't know why
0: you thought there was i a thought pie it was a, a pie
1: i thought it was a pie it was Maybe a was... bird i didn't know. I don't know why. I just always thought it was a pie, and I'm like, perfect. Like, why would they name after a pie? And I'm like, why would
0: they name him after a bird?
1: I it, my suspicion is it's not so much that he's named after a bird. It's more so it's that, that he wants him
0: to soar like a bird.
1: Oh my gosh, that's brilliant.
0: No, I mean, because that's a pretty pathetic bird. You should have named him Falcon <clears> or something.
1: He would have lasted a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> if his <laughs> name was Falcon. No one's gonna falcon. mess with a Falcon. Everyone's gonna mess with a Partridge. Like, yeah. give me your lunch money. It's not so much that he's named after, like, the bird. I think it's more yeah. so that he's named after other people because there are a few kings of Macedon named Perticus. And so I was that's running into that, case, that. Yeah. when
0: I was trying to find any image of him to use for this episode. <laughs>
1: it's really sad when there's all these images of all these kings who didn't do anything, but nothing of this guy who picked up where Alexander left off. Mm-hmm. And he did stuff. Okay, so... That's his name. Bird. Bird. A bird man. He's we don't know exactly when he was born. We don't know a lot about That'll this. That'll be a trend. Yeah. Uh that's very true. We we do think he has to be maybe a little bit older than Alex, but he was probably born around three fifty five. And he would have grown up in court with Alexander, so then he was even though he's probably a little older, they're pretty much the same age. Mm-hmm. Or they're roughly They're peers. They're peers. There you go. His family, however, he is, we do know that he's descended from royalty. If you'll recall, one thing that Philip did was he united a lot of the older independent regions of Macedon. And so there were a few petty kings, and Perticus is apparently descended from one of those families in a northern region of Macedon called Orestes. His dad was named Orontes. Perdiccas had a brother named Alketas, who actually is rather significant in the story and a sister named Atalanta. You can stare at me all you want, (laughs) Meredith. I think it's a very pretty name.
0: No, I was just kind of struck by, like, these are all very unique.
1: Yeah, Uh, and then Atalanta.
0: Yeah, Atalanta. Oh, no, I didn't dislike it. I was just like, oh, how nice. Like, I feel like we're not really running into that trope like you do in European history, where it's, like, John, Mary, Anne, Edward. So I was just more kind of like, how nice, like, we haven't had any duplicate names yet. <laughs> I think,
1: I think Atalanta was like, uh, I, like I think there that was a, mi- a lot. no, I think there was like a myth about her as like a marathon runner. Probably. Well, what would be a mar- Like she was a, ra- yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. ran and races. Yeah, they kept yeah.
0: dropping the apples.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Um, that's all we know about Berticus's early life. Okay. Nothing.
0: No, that's fine. Yeah.
1: But we do have some information about his career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is interesting. So you remember what happened to Philip, right? His ass got he assassinated. Was assassinated. Yeah. I was
0: I was just like, a lot happened to Philip. True. But if you're talking about the last thing well, that yeah, happened, The very last thing. He got assassinated.
1: Yeah. Well, guess who chased down and killed that assassin?
0: Was it Perticus? It was Perticus. Good job. And <gasps> what? That could kind of play into the whole thing of if alex had a hand in it if his best friend's the one that chased the guy down and like conveniently killed him before he could be questioned
1: tying up all the loose ends
0: tying it up
1: i like it let me tell you something perticus is he, he, he's dirty man he'll he'd do that
0: i am thoroughly looking forward to finally watching the alexander movie because I've, al- I've only seen a couple clips that i found on youtube And none have been a Perticus, but, like, in every single one of them, everybody's, like, bad-mouthing him.
1: Even in the clip that you showed me when you pointed out Perticus, I mean, I was like, yep, I hate him. (laughs) It was just perfect casting. Okay, so early on in Alexander's career, Perticus pops up again, because you remember Thebes revolted again. Mm -hmm. Well, And then um, they
0: destroyed Thebes. Yes,
1: and at that battle, Perticus was there. He actually had gotten wounded. Five years into the campaign against Persia, Perticus did so well that he actually became Alexander's bodyguard. Nice. Or one of his several bodyguards, but mm-hmm. it's a very elite circle.
2: I
0: was about to say, that's considered more of an honor than being like a, a like a governor over an area or like one of the generals yeah. he stationed to hold an area.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, if you were a governor, it was important and it was an honor, but you were kind of cut out.
0: But you want to be with Alexander. Yeah, if you okay. were the
1: governor, you were left behind. Yeah. And Perticus earned his keep. He was very loyal to Alex throughout the entirety of the campaigns. He... Led critical, you know, engagements in India when Alexander was there. And as a matter of fact, when Alexander got hit with a four-foot arrow in the <laughs> chest, Perdiccas was the one who plucked it out. Oh, Actually, used God. his sword as a scalpel to pry the arrow out. I got to, I got to be honest. This is like, this is pretty impressive on Perdiccas' part. Everyone's afraid of what to do if they mess up, and Perdiccas just walks right up and just says, "Well, this is stupid," and he just yanks it out. God. <laughs> All right, that's
0: up there with the spoon.
1: Yep, it is. As a reward for all his loyal service, after Hephaestion, Alexander's boyfriend. boyfriend. Yes, right. After he died in 324, uh, Alexander promoted Perticus to his se- second-in-command.
0: Oh, because, yes, Hephaestion died before Alex. Right. Yep. Yeah, okay. Like a okay.
1: few months before. Yeah. You like how fast this is moving?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: like we're already through his career, it's always like through his he's childhood. he's an
0: adult. Alex is about to die.
1: (laughs) Well, let's just go ahead and kill Alex off. So in June of 323, Alexander dies. Your favorite part of Alexander's life.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, it's funny we say that because, you know, I was the one that was kind of harsher on Alexander, but you're the one that got most excited at his death.
0: Okay, so to give a little, you know, behind the scenes to the listeners, you got Alex in two parts. I was subjected to Alex in one probably like close to three-hour-long recording session. There's a
1: lot of takes that we cut out. So
0: as you heard me getting increasingly excited about him dying, (laughs) or you heard me lamenting that he was only 25 years old, it's not because I particularly wanted him to die. I just knew that meant I was going to get to go to bed.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) All right, so Alexander dies pretty quickly here. So, Alexander dies, 323, your favorite period. Oh, no. That's right. And, um, as we know, Alexander, different accounts of his death, what he said, but one of the things that most of the sources agree on is that Alexander had handed Perticus his signet ring um, that he used to, you know, stamp and yeah. sign all of his executive orders. Basically, that was just that official stamp. Uh, according to James Rom, Perticus was a natural but not an inevitable choice to succeed. There mm-hmm. were other choices. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were jealous of Perticus's elevation. For example, Crateros and Ptolemy. I'll be honest with you, I did not give a good enough description of Crateros last time. Like, you were commenting that, like, well, Crateros must have been a big enough deal for him to be a possible heir for Alex. And
0: Well, yeah, and I was making out, I, I was just... Just from my own opinion, I was just kind of like, well, he is the one that's on the way back to Macedon. He does have that contingent of soldiers with him, albeit it was people that were being relieved of duty. And even though we're in Persia, I imagine that in the aftermath of Alex's death, the idea would be we need to secure Macedon because at the end of the day, that's where we're from. That's our, like, home base.
1: Yeah, that's actually exactly what the research that I've read has suggested. Furthermore, what I also learned, apparently Crateros was almost loved by the soldiers as much as Alex.
0: Was Perticus not really loved by the common soldier? Nope. Oh, okay.
1: And he does not do himself any favors. Perticus... (laughs) What we're going to see is... yeah.
0: I do remember, yeah, like in one of those instances where you were like, I'm not going to give anything away, but he did not do himself any favors. Yeah,
1: yeah, dude. Like, Perticus shot himself in the foot, and his solution was to shoot the other foot. (laughs) Yeah. But Krateros, on the other hand, the soldiers loved him. Okay. And so that might be an argument in favor of... Criteros could have been a natural choice or an other choice. Yeah, because if yeah. this is a
0: first amongst equals thing Roxana's mm-hmm. pregnant yeah, if you've got a guy it's like, they love him. He's got a bit, about 10,000 of them.
2: Yeah, right.
1: And Ptolemy, he's always scheming. And so one of the things that we have to take into consideration here with Perticus being given the Signet Ring is if authority can be given to someone
0: it can be taken away.
1: Precisely. And so that's how everyone's looking at Perticus. They're not looking at him as the as as anybody to whom they owe loyalty. They're looking at that authority he has as real, but well they can get it too.
0: Yeah, I mean essentially you've got a situation where nobody is more or less qualified than anybody else in the room.
1: They definitely feel that way, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Perdiccas, I gotta tell you I did the same thing for Philip and Alexander, and I forgot to do it here, but if I was to sum up my view of Perticus, you know, we're in the southeast of the U.S. here, and we have a saying, bless his heart. <laughs> he tried. When we say bless your heart, it's a double-edged sword. It, it, can...
0: it should be sympathetic, yeah. but it's largely used condescendingly.
1: Like, bless his heart, he could not make it work but he just kept trying and he just kept messing it up bless his heart blesses yeah but that's the thing see i i appreciate in the beginning how he tries to make all this work he really is trying to juggle everything and he does a pretty good job at first but then as my advisor says to me sometimes he went a bridge too far i was about to say yep, bridge too far that's in my notes so Perticus starts off really well, and he starts off very prudently. He prepares a spectacle for the succession. So he's not just going to walk in holding up a ring. He's going he's to he's try to put some theatrics. So <laughs> as we recall, Alexander died in Babylon. So that's where all this is taking place. Perticus has got the signet ring, but yes. he's not just going to go walk out holding the ring just going like, I got it. He's going to set this up and make it look real fancy schmancy. Mm-hmm. So they're in Babylon. So, at the throne of the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar.
0: He has a partridge fly down. In a with, pear tree. <laughs> land in a pear in tree. In a pear tree. tree. And tied to its little foot is the ring.
1: <laughs> the ring that you in charge, Perticus.
2: Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, close, but no. On the throne of Nebuchadnezzar, Perticus placed Alexander's diadem. So, that little...
0: The little ribbon.
1: little ribbon. His armor and his robes. Mm-hmm. And to quote James Robb, it was as though he wanted Alexander's ghost to preside over the deli- deliberations. The deliberations. The deliberations. Which may be why James Rum titled his book Ghost on the Throne.
2: <gasps>
1: if true, this was an act of humility. And it's pretty smart because Perdiccas is trying to make it clear he's not trying to seize power. This is not, he's, he's like, I don't want this, this is all respect for Alex, not about me. Yes, I'm in charge, but this is my job. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty smart, I think.
0: I am a placeholder. Yes. Till that baby.
1: Speaking of which. Is born. Now that leads to one of the biggest points in the rest of Perticus's life. It's called the partition of Babylon. So this is going to be the succession. This is going to be the big plan of what we're going to do now that Alexander is gone. The first attempt, according to Curtius Rufus, who gives us a big thorough discussion of this be in the show notes. So we're in Babylon and there are four proposals put forward. First is Perdicus. He proposes that we wait to see the gender of Roxanne's baby. If the gender is male, because this is a patriarchal world, yeah. then that's the heir. Alrighty. Second comes a guy named Nearchus. He's a Greek, one of Alexander's buddies. He points out that Alexander has an illegitimate son. From, Heracles. Yes, Heracles, from a woman named Barsina. And so here we have a living, breathing heir.
0: Does it matter so much that he's illegitimate if at the foundation of like the Macedonian society it's a oh. first amongst equal thing?
1: Yeah, there is the concern. I mean, I mean, okay, first of all, yeah, Nearchus would agree with you. He would say, look, it's his kid.
0: Yeah. illegitimate
1: or not, that's his that's, kid. We
0: have a grown adult, and so that
1: well, he's not grown; he's four years old. But nevertheless, it, what matters is
0: Pericles is only four. Mm-hmm. Why do I think he was like a grown adult? Not yet. Okay.
1: Um, okay. I mean,
0: that's not much better than
1: yeah. Well, but but nevertheless, it's like well, look, we don't have to worry.
0: Here's yeah. a son right yeah. here. Yeah, came
1: from Alexander. It's just one of those things of like, it would be awesome if he was legitimate. Yeah. But or grown up. Yeah, as Nearchus would say, but he's Alexander's kid, isn't? that's got to be worth more than a maybe with Roxanne, there were some objections to Nearchus's idea. Now, I pointed out he's Greek, and that matters, because yeah. all the Macedonians are in the room are like, who's this Greek talking to us, Macedonians? Yeah, he's like
0: thorn in our side for years.
1: Yeah, he's like, you're here because we let you come. Also, Nearchus had married another one of Barsina's daughters
0: oh so, so if, now he's uh-huh.
1: he would be an in-law
0: yeah yeah
1: so he would be this kid's uncle okay so this would really work out well yeah, for yeah position well yeah. yeah third i referred to this gentleman as a dingus in the last episode and i stand by it Meleager, who was the commander oh. of the infantry he didn't like greco-macedonian persian fusion which is not a cuisine choice um, but it
0: will be. But yeah. our new restaurant opening in 2023.
1: That's gonna be the next commercial. I guarantee. That's a great idea. Um, so he didn't like people like Barsina and Roxanne, you know, and their kids having some sort of future in the empire. This is Macedonian empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's like, well, we. You want a pure-blooded Macedonian? Alex's half brother, Arhadias. He's right there in, in Babylon with everybody. Yeah. And he's full-grown. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Um, he you know he has a cognitive disability or you know something of that nature and that's going to come up fourth is ptolemy yeah ptolemy's one of alexander's bodyguards so he'd be there and he has an opinion he says arhadias wasn't mentally oh
0: sorry i thought you meant Not that Ptolemy was presenting the fourth opinion. I thought you meant the fourth option was Ptolemy. And I was like, no, that's why why I look so (laughs) confused. He would really like that, though. No, he would. That's why I was so confused. I'm like, well, the first three ideas have all at least been around the idea of people related to Alex.
1: No, Ptolemy just has the fourth idea. He points out, as you were silently pointing out to me, that, yeah, Arhadias wasn't mentally fit or capable of being king by himself. So instead, Ptolemy says we should just set up a council of generals, proven leaders who vote on their decision. Because everyone knows that everything works better with a committee.
2: <laughs> and as a friend of
1: mine once said, a camel is a horse put together by a committee. <laughs> so this proposal was seen as a challenge to Perticus. And Perticus is going to remember this. Okay, so everyone has their ideas. The final decision, after all was said and done, According to, to Diodorus Siculus, the army's going to wait for Roxanne to give birth. Mm-hmm. If it's a son, then he'll be king. Yep. There will be a board of four who will act as guardians and regents for the new king. First will be Perticus. Yep. Second will be a guy named Leonatus. Third will be Craterus. Oh. So, like I was saying, Is like... he back? No, he's still... Does he still... know
0: what's happened?
1: So that's interesting that you say that, like... <laughs> So, Crateros probably would have heard about this. Okay. But he's not back in Babylon. But he's Babylon. not back No,
0: to be like, put me on the council.
1: No, it's more, I think, more that they're just kind of, they know they're going to have to contend with him, and so they're kind of keeping him in the consideration. There may have been some correspondence back and forth, but I don't think he went back to Babylon. He's, he stopped midway through Anatolia, modern-day Turkey, with the troops and was just kind of waiting to see what happened. So, Crateros... So we have Perticus, Leonidas, Craterus, and old man Antipater, who has been behind in Macedon the entire time. Okay. Yeah, we mentioned him in the last episode just briefly enough that when Alexander left for Persia, he, That's left who he left Antipater in control. Okay. Because Antipater was old. Okay. And he still hasn't died. <laughs> and he won't die for a while. So this is a, four, this is a board of four. Craterus and Antipater, however, would control the European side of the empire. It's interesting because Craterus was not really given a specific job because he really wasn't a governor. Everybody else, like, you know, Perticus, Leonidas, Antipater, they were kind of settled in, you know, either being commanders or governors. Kateros was just in charge of 10,000 veterans. He really didn't have a province that he was governing, so he wasn't really given a job. He was given honorary titles, of privi- titles and privileges, probably because he just had 10,000 veterans under his command, more than any other commander at that time. So they really couldn't, like, sideline him, but he really didn't have a job to give him. Uh, meanwhile, Perticus and Leonidas would control Asia, so it's kind of like an east-west split. The next step was everyone was going to swear an oath, to follow these four leaders. But
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was like but
1: <laughs> but the infantry had a different idea. They were hanging around nearby and they heard about this decision and they didn't like it. They voted to make Arhadias king. Do you remember who also thought Arhadias should be king? Ptolemy. Oh, me... No. Maleager. No, the Dingus, yeah. So essentially, <laughs> just by virtue of them disagreeing, yeah. This was the infantry, this was essentially them threatening to rebel. Gotcha. Cuz they were voting for their guy, not what Perdiccas was going to do. So the idea is like we're not going to do what you're saying. Implicitly, we're rebelling. Pos- there were pos This is kind of indicative of possible tension between the infantry and the cavalry. Traditionally, you recall the army was actually consulted on matters of succession. They would get to acclaim a king. They did the same thing to Alexander. Yeah. So they may have felt like they were been cut out of the loop. Yeah. So, Perticus's decision, I'll give him this, kind of dumb, that Meleaguer guy who also thought that Arhadias should be the heir, who's really got good sway with the infantry, Perticus says, hey, Meleaguer, go convince the infantry to change their mind and support my, my decision. Big mistake. Huge, to quote. <laughs> yeah. Kelly quoting Pretty Woman, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Office. What if Maliger threw in with the infantry and agreed with them?
0: Well, I was about to say, what uh, great favors were Malig- was Maliger promised to go do this? None. None- okay, he was just told so to go do it. Yeah. yeah, that's um, dumb.
1: So, yeah, Maliger agreed with them when he mm-hmm. got there. And he kind of saw, well, he's pretty smart about this. But also the choice of Arhadias made a lot of sense. He was Philip's son. So he kind of harkened back to the memory of the old days before the conquest. And unfortunately, we're looking at some racism here because this, like these Macedonians, are kind of like having a, like kind of like the good old boy perspective. They're like, you know, Philip, you know, well, Arhedaius reminds them of the good old days with Philip when there were Greeks and Macedonians and Persians, and not both of them, you know, stuff like that. Because <laughs> Alex, yeah, because Alexander had been bringing Persians into his yeah. court and his army, they really were reminded of Philip so much that they changed Arhadias' name to Philip. Now, dear listener.
0: I thought his name was Philip the whole time, and they, like, I thought his name was Philip Arhidaios, and then, like, the sources will be like, we'll call him Arhidaios to just not get confused.
1: I might have even told you that, and if I did, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I thought that, too, oh, I think. I, too. Yeah. So, apparently, <laughs> no. They changed his name to Arhadias to connect him to Philip. Oh. Yeah. But don't worry, we're not going to call him Philip because that would just get confusing. Yeah, we're going
0: to call him Arhadias. We're going to call him
1: Arhidaius. Now, it is ob- absolutely true that Arhadias could not rule on his own, but nevertheless, the infantry supported him. Meleager would likely be chosen as the guardian or the regent for Arhadias if the army chose, and he realized. I could really profit from this. So that's what he did. He goes out there, he puts on his armor, and he stood beside Arhadias and declared his support for making Arhadias the king. The army cheered, and not only did they do that, they actually marched straight to the palace, into the city, straight to the palace, and demanded that Perdicus recognize Arhadias. Then we have a very brief standoff. Meleager and the infantry actually stormed the palace. Perticus was locked in the palace with a few hundred troops. Beleaguer uh, tried to send in his forces to arrest Perticus, but they refused. Because even they were like, this feels wrong. Perticus was one of our generals. Alex gave him the signet ring. Yeah, we like our Hedias, but I don't know if we can arrest this guy. So Perticus manages to escape. Now, again, I was trying to be precise. The infantry had entered the city. Not the cavalry. The cavalry sided with Perticus. And so he proceeds with the cavalry to besiege the whole city, locking the infantry inside, threatening to starve them. If you're confused, I understand.
0: No, I'm not confused. I'm just, I'm mentally watching it all play out in my head.
1: Yeah. Now, Meleager is locked in the city of Babylon. And eventually the infantry realize, all right, this is kind of dumb. And they convince Meleager to negotiate with Perticus. So let's do round three to negotiate a settlement. Here's the compromise, and we have a lot of sources that attest to this third attempt at deciding the succession. This compromise is basically the same thing as the first time, but now we have a few differences. Now our Hedias and Roxanne's child, if male, were going to be recognized as co-kings. Now, Arhidaius would be the senior king because of his age. Yep. And Meleager would be added to that board of guardians and regents.
0: So now there are five. Now
1: there are five of them. Still, Crateros and Antipater would be in control of Europe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Perticus and Leonidas would be in control of Asia. Yep. And theoretically, Meleager promised that he would be a subordinate to Perticus. Thus, Meleager's little rebellion got him some power, but he wouldn't have it for long. So now, Perdiccas seems to have pulled it off. He's the regent of the kings and ruler of the empire. So, been talking about all this, Meredith. Have we forgotten about anything really important that's been going on this entire time? Days have gone by why they've been arguing over this.
0: What did they do with the body?
1: Alexander's body's just (laughs) been sitting there there the whole time. But it was not decomposing, so... The New England Journal of Medicine in 1998 actually put out an article that said exactly what you were suggesting, that he was not dead. He might have been in a coma and paralyzed. So all that time that he wasn't decomposing was because he was alive, which makes what happens next really bad. You want to get really weird, even though he what?
0: So he'd be alive when they mm-hmm. cut him open mm-hmm. to embalm yep. him.
1: Yep, you can't mm-hmm. see it in the just grimacing right now. Yep. Yeah, so... Eventually, Perticus did order that Alexander's body be embalmed. I'm just going to hope that he was actually dead I at was that about to say,
0: was there a scream?
1: I know. So this embalming procedure was Babylonian and Egyptian, but it wasn't Macedonian practice. Interesting.
0: Oh, did they do cremation?
1: Yes. Macedonians cremated, at least at this point. And they would still bury you in a tomb, but yeah, cremation. Yeah. Perticus then ordered that Alexander be placed in a golden casket and to build a giant hearse. So the question is, where was he going to go? Alexander apparently wanted to be buried at the shrine of Zeus Ammon in Egypt, where he learned that, he learned that <laughs> Zeus was his daddy.
0: Zeus is your daddy. That's right. But that's too far.
1: Too far. And that's where the hearse was, was intended to go at first. That's the whole plan. We'll see if that changes. Right now, Perticus is in control. For a brief moment, it looked like he overcame all his obstacles. He retained the loyalty and obedience of the army and all the officers. But he's a smart guy. It's time to tie up some loose ends. It's time to get rid of some problems and threats to his authority. Who do you think is first on that list? Maliger. Yeah! So, legitimately going to give a little warning here. There's going to be a reference to animal death. You might want to skip ahead by 15 seconds. Okay. So, apparently there was a a ritual ceremony that the Macedonian army would... call called a lustration. It was like a, a purification, a cleansing ceremony and I did not research the reasons for this, but they would cut a dog in half no, and separate it, and the army would march in between it. It was at this ceremony that Perticus hatched his plan. Because remember, Maligar is an infantry commander. The infantry are going to be doing this ceremony. Here's the deal. It's very mean girlish. It's for very, like Regina George would be very proud of this. Perdicus sends out a bunch of people to start talking crap about Maligar mm-hmm. among the infantry. Can you believe this guy? I heard he smells really bad. Maliger complains to Perticus. He's like, hey, these people are talking bad about me. We got to punish these people. Perticus is like, yeah. We can't let them talk bad about you, dude. That's just messed up. He's going to take care of these people for you, man. i tell you what I'm going to do. During the lustration ceremony, we'll get them then. Tell you what, we'll call them out. When the infantry is going to be drawn out during that march, We'll surround them with the cavalry and we'll demand that they give themselves up. Maliker's all about this. He's like, This is awesome. Knew I could trust you, dude. They're making up. They're broing out. During the lustration, Arhadias, the new king, gives a prepared speech, which means it was likely written by Perticus, and it was just handed to him to read. Arhadias gives a speech to the infantry announcing the arrest of 30 of its leading men, likely officers. But. These weren't the men that had bad-mouthed Maligar. These were the men who had helped Maligar lead the conspiracy to support Arhadias for the throne. These men were separated from the rest of the infantry, and then they were trampled on by elephants.
0: Oh, my God. Lucky.
1: Yes, lucky. He's back. Yes, that, that, what was that elephant that could only turn to the left, right? Yeah. But he can trample with the best of them. He's like, I did something today.
0: (laughs) And, I help.
1: And you can imagine what was worse about this is Maliger can't do anything about it. He just has to sit there and watch because he helped Perdicus orchestrate this whole thing. Mm. But he ended up selling all of his friends out. Perdicus is mean. <laughs> He's ruthless. Yeah, this isn't even the worst thing that he does. Mm. But in one fell swoop or in one fell stomp of an elephant's foot. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, like. I'll be there, like, what is it, like, the shake of a tail or something like shake that? Shake of a lamb's I'll tail. I'll be in there, shake of a lamb's tail. Well, I'm going to get you in the stamp of an elephant's foot. Um, Perticus had purged the army of some of his enemies. But at what cost, Meredith? Because now no one trusted Perticus. Mm. But instead, they suspected him of everything. It's like, he's so paranoid, he made everyone else paranoid about him. Yeah. Meleager himself escaped because he knew what was what. And he was like, oh, if that's how it's going to be, I'm about to die. And so he ran away. But shortly after, they caught him and he was executed. Arhadias again, read out the order for Maliger's execution. maliger has gone. Yep. Number two. Ptolemy. Nope. That's not, that's coming up. Alexander had some other wives. Yep.
0: Please? God.
1: Yep. Ugh. <sighs> So, Roxanne apparently was in on this. Oh,
0: we've got the two Persian princesses. That's it.
1: Those are the ones. Ah! So, these women were Statera and uh, Parasatis. Mm-hmm. They were threats to Roxanne.
0: They're not pregnant, and Alex is dead.
1: But Roxanne's baby wasn't born yet. And these women, I get what you're saying, but the, the, the reasoning was that these women could produce heirs of their own. And the thing is, like, everyone, everyone like, knew, like, okay, they're not oh, pregnant. Oh, because
0: they are Persian princesses. But they could also... So one of these, like, Macedonian guys that are, like, kind of squabbling for it all could marry them, and then...
1: Yeah, and then also, they could be like, someone could just make up a lie and say that it was Alexander's kid.
0: True. Yeah,
1: you know, what's to stop them, right? So they could produce their own heirs, and so that would just be a threat to Roxanne, because they were the earlier wives, and as you said they're connected to Darius. Yeah. So both of them were killed. They threw their bodies into a well and then filled it up with dirt. That like, sounds like something out of a true crime podcast. I think I'm shocked Meredith, y'all. She's just staring out in the open. She's done that several times so far. All right, so the lesson here, nobody is safe from Perdiccas. Now, I mean, Alexander got paranoid towards the end, but even he didn't act like this. Now we're at July, between July and September of 323, so we've got a couple months passing here. Finally, Roxanne gives birth, and thankfully for Perticus, it was a boy, immediately named Alexander, mm-hmm. after his dad.
0: Alexander IV.
1: And he was crowned as co-king with his uncle, Philip Arhadias III.
0: Aww. So we've
1: got two kings now. Alright, now Perticus has another job. Mm-hmm. Satraps.
0: Raise baby. Oh, no.
1: Well, raising the baby is kind of the implicit thing. But now he's got to find jobs for everybody who supported him. Rearranging the empire. Loyalists were all given satrapies, which is provinces. Okay. And they were made governors or satraps. Now, the reason I'm pointing out these words is because at this point, the, word sa- the words satrap and satrapy have been absorbed into and are used in Greek language. These are big prizes. His friends are all about this. Satrapies were powerful positions. You had power. You had influence. You had money. You had troops. And this was also tricky Because Perticus had to keep everybody happy. What if somebody thinks they didn't get a fair deal? What if somebody gets greedy? A rebellious satrap could be a big problem. Spoiler alert. He did not do a good job. Separating. (laughs)
0: Satrapping.
1: He did not do a good job at satrapping. All right, so at this point... I'm going to throw a bunch of names at you. I'm but, ready. But one of the big thing, one of the, even though we don't have a lot about Perticus or he doesn't last very long, he's really a foundation for a lot of future episodes because he gives us the introductions to a lot of guys who are going to get their own episodes. So it's kind of a dramatis personae. Starting number one, Ptolemy. Perfect example of a tricky situation. They did not like each other. Ptolemy had spoken against Perticus in the partition. But Ptolemy was a loyal bodyguard, and he was important. He had a lot of influence. So what do? Ptolemy wants Egypt.
0: It's the breadbasket.
1: It is the breadbasket of the Mediterranean. That's right. It was wealthy, friendly to Macedonians, far away from everything, which is something that Ptolemy loved. Now, Perticus just couldn't say no outright, because that would compromise the whole thing, because that would make Ptolemy angry. And that would compromise his position. But also, he could just give away such a valuable province because that would give Ptolemy too much power. If you want to start a rebellion, you need Egypt. Yeah. So, Perdiccas has an idea. He assigned a co-governor to be the subordinate to Ptolemy in Egypt. It was a guy named Cleomenes of Naucratus, a corrupt politician. But we'll see how this works out. I'll go ahead and tell you. Ptolemy kills Cleomenes.
0: Oh, I was about to say the only reason I'm not saying much about him is because I'm like I don't know his name. So
1: yes, yeah, so he must not he, last so very he's long. He's not going to yeah. be
0: here very long.
1: So I'll go ahead and knock out the next two together for you. Um, next we have two guys, Lysimachus yep. and Leonatus. Um, both of them Sounds were familiar. Yes, Leonatus should sound familiar. He was in the first proposal. He was yep. he was in the board of yep. regents. Yeah. Lysimachus we haven't heard much about yet, but he's going to be mildly important down the road. Oh. Both of them were given positions of governors as governors. They were given satrapies. Lysimachus, and so they were both kind of straddling the Hellespont, so the little land bridge connecting Asia to Europe. So they were on either side of that. Uh, Lysimachus was on the European side. Leonidas, however, was on the Asian side, and his province was called Lesser Phrygia.
0: Do they get along?
1: It's not going to matter because one of them's going to die real quick.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So Leonidas is in the hell spot. He's in um he's on the Asian side and he's in a his province is called Lesser Phrygia. Now here's where like Pernicus's story just gets stupidly hilarious. You will never guess who pops up around now. Alexander's mm-hmm. freaking sister, Cleopatra, and there's already five other Cleopatras. I was about to say Here's the first full, one.
0: Full sister?
1: Full sister.
0: Oh, okay. So Olympias of had of more fl- than of one. Of Philip
1: kid. and Olympias. Oh, okay. His full sister pops up and offers to marry Leonidas. She's ready to get in on this no. empire thing. Yeah. She's like, empire sounds cool. Hey, Leo. Let's come over here and check me out. He's like, He's let's like,
2: make
0: this lesser greater.
1: Mm- <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: That's
1: brilliant. Yeah, alright, so Leonidas is all about this life. He's like, mmm, get me some power. So he abandons his province, hops over to Macedon, gets ready to go get Cleopatra, and he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it wasn't gonna last very long. Just
0: of like natural causes? Oh no,
1: he died in battle. It was a oh, Greek okay. It was a Greek city that he was revolting and he was probably like, hey baby, check this out gonna go take this city route. He's Ow. like,
0: your brother once jumped over this wall. I'm gonna try it too. Ah.
1: you notice?
0: Like that? Oh god.
1: Father, help!
2: <laughs> <laughs> my boy.
1: <laughs> so Leonidas dies. Oh. <laughs> so as as soon as he was introduced, he gone.
0: Had they gotten married? No. Oh, okay.
1: No, which is good because now Cleopatra can go find another
0: beau. Hmm. Perticus, yeah. right?
1: Hmm. you been looking at my notes. No. Yes. All right. So the next one is a boss of a dude. I can't wait for his episode. His name is Eumenes, and he is amazing is amazing rags to riches from the bottom to the top he's the man of the hour it's gonna be a great episode he's alexander's former secretary now when i mean secretary literally i'm talking about record keeping archiving stuff like that This, this guy is a pencil pusher but even though he was a secretary he had recently right before alexander died been promoted to a cavalry commander he was really just kind of like given like a test. He was like, okay, he was given like a small mission. He was like, I guess go do that. And he was awesome at it. He did a great job. And he just kept getting bigger promotions and assignments. Perdicus also gives him kind of a test. He mm-hmm. gives him control of an area called Cappadocia, which is in an eastern Anatolia. And you remember what Anatolia is?
0: Modern day Turkey. That's
1: right, everybody. The problem was, is the Cappadocia had never been conquered. And so Perticus just gives Eumenes this command, and it's just essentially to say, Let, let's see what this Greek can do. Another great guy who's going to get an awesome episode. It's kind of like a, like a Santa Claus figure. Antigonus, the one-eyed. Does this sound familiar, this one-eyed
0: thing? Did he pluck out his eye when Philip lost his eye so Philip wouldn't be self-conscious?
1: <laughs> so you mean like... Philip's over there with the spoon of Diocles. With Deocles. the
0: spoon, and he's like, it's okay, buddy. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll do it, ya.
2: too.
1: <laughs> like, that's a true blue friend right there, man. They didn't even sanitize those spoons, either. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, he lost his eye similar to Philip. He lost it when he was, they were besieging a city. Another guy is going to have a great episode, Antigonus the One-Eyed, is amazing. So he's one of Alex's older commanders, He's like, like Perticus. He's not as old, though. He'd been left behind to oversee Western Asia, some, a lot of Anatolia in the conquest. So when, they, when Alexander got over there, you know, Antigonus was one of the first guys that got left behind with garrison troops. Um, now, Antigonus is an example of another dynamic we haven't touched on yet. There's a lot of people that been in left behind, a lot of people that are separated from the royal court with Alexander. So there's a lot of generals who haven't seen each other for years. And Antigonus is one of them. He hasn't seen, you know, all the in-crowd, all of Perticus and all the, you know, the popular guys. He hasn't seen them for 10 years. So there's a question of, you know, Perticus was worried like is Antigonus going to follow my orders? Because the first thing Perticus does is he assigns Antigonus to help Eumenes in Cappadocia. And so Antigonus immediately one of the first cracks in Perdiccas's facade. He immediately refuses to follow Perdiccas's orders. Antipater. He was left behind in Macedon at the start of Alexander's conquest. Getting kind of old now, but for some reason, he defies all the odds of the ancient world and just won't die. <laughs> he was confirmed in his existing command. He's in charge of Macedon and Greece and the Balkans. He's just like, you know what you're doing? Just do that.
0: He's like, keep on keeping on. Yeah.
1: Craterus still has that army of veterans. His position's less clear. It's likely that Perticus just told him go over there and share power with Antipater. I think the idea was that Perticus was just I think hoping and praying that Antipater's got to die soon. And when that does happen, Craterus could be there. Can yeah. just... And then there's one other guy, a little unknown mid-ranking officer named Seleucus. After Perticus was promoted to second in command, Seleucus was promoted behind him.
0: You love Seleucus.
1: I do. He's my favorite. So he's promoted to be um, Perdiccas' right-hand man now, second in command. Now there's one person. I'm sorry, there's actually one other person. Perdiccas himself. What did he do? Well, he doesn't get a satrapy. He gets the entire empire. He's custodian of the kings in Babylon. He's also commander of the whole army. He has control of the treasury, which he's going to really need, and he's going to use it for the rest of his life by keeping his generals happy.
0: But now we're going to take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors, Croconile Shoes.
1: Hey, Meredith. Hey, Dustin. I know it's really important for you to get your steps in every day, right? Every day. So not only is walking good for your health, but it's also good for the environment. After (laughs) all, when you're walking, you're not driving a car. True. That's right. But you have to make sure you get the right shoes for walking. The problem, however, is that most shoe manufacturers only think about walking in dry areas but not wet environments. Many a pair of fancy flippy floppies have been ruined by wading through water.
0: Mm-hmm. And threw then them what away. happened to those
1: flippy floppies, Meredith?
0: I threw them away.
1: Right in the garbage. Mm-hmm. That's right. And do you know how long it takes for a pair of shoes to decompose?
0: Probably 5,000 years.
1: Well, according to a study at Wichita State University in 2021, it takes a pair of shoes 30 to 40 years to decompose. So, so much for helping the environment by walking, am I right? But what if you could get great quality shoes at a great price, but also give back to the environment?
0: That sounds perfect. That's
1: where Crocodile shoes come in. Instead of focusing only on quality or sustainability, Crocodile does both. Croconile's shoes are made for everyone and for everywhere, from the sidewalk stroll to mountain hiking, to the bayous and swamps of Louisiana and Florida, to the Darwin and Mary rivers of Australia, to even, you guessed it, the Nile River in Egypt. Crocodiles are designed with breathable mesh liner and drainage ports in the heels to give you the perfect maneuverability and traction in the murkiest waters. The best part, however, is that the soles of crocodiles are made out of a synthetic fiber specifically designed to fit the dietary requirements of all semi-aquatic predatory reptiles. So you can rest assured that if you ever lose your shoe, or if it ever gets stuck in the mud, you're actually feeding your local semi-aquatic reptilian habitat.
0: What about odor control?
1: That's a great question. Every pair of crocodiles includes a special water-soluble capsule containing a large dose of fish oil that dissolves the moment your feet hit the water, leaving behind a tasty trail that is specifically designed to attach to local flora for up to 100 feet in any direction.
0: That sounds dangerous. Should I be concerned about
2: crocodiles?
1: That's another great question. And if you order a pair of crocodiles today, then you'll receive an extra pair of shoes for a friend or family member, along with a CD box set of all your favorite classic Croc hits, like Jill House Croc, I Love Croc and Roll, and Croc and Roll All Night.
0: But am I going to be eaten by crocodiles if I wear these shoes?
1: Crocodiles are available in all major shoe <laughs> outlets sold near large bodies of water.
0: Yeah, but you didn't answer my question. That's
1: Croconiles. Why reduce your carbon footprint when you can reduce your whole foot?
0: But I don't (laughs) crocodiles. And we're back.
1: Meredith, we gotta start getting these more scrutiny with these sponsors. It's getting weird.
0: (laughs) We need a gatekeeper.
1: Yeah. Woo! I'm gonna get sued. Um, alright, um Alright. So now Perdicus has done some stuff. Got everybody in place. Now we got to bury Alexander because he's still not been buried. This is months now. Okay. All right. So in accordance with Persian custom, Alexander's body was going to be taken throughout the empire to its resting place, stopping along the way for local mourners to pay respects, just like
0: the queen.
1: That's right. So do you remember what I said where Alexander wanted to be buried?
0: Um, at the Zeus Ammon temple.
1: Yep in Siwa, so that desert that's east of Egypt, or I'm sorry, west of Egypt. The generals and high-ranking officials, however, seem to have overruled this after his death. Alexander's body was too precious of a resource to just go let it sit in the desert. They wanted to send his body to Macedon. Alright, so, before we can bury Alex, unfortunately, Perdiccas has more problems. Now, up to now, he's done a pretty good job of trying to keep everybody in line. Now he's going to push too far. So. First, Antigonus, you will recall, refused to follow Perdiccas's orders. Well, Perdiccas has to go and deal with this himself, then, and he goes and helps Eumenes defeat this uh, Ariarathes guy in Cappadocia. And the reason that that's really important is because this is where Perdiccas picks up a little bit of a prize. Our buddy Craterus that you were seeing was just, just like sticking around and waiting to see what was what. Actually, he had gone on over to Europe and he took. He left behind about three thousand elite silver, sh- uh, three thousand troops called the Silver Shields, and they were elites. Cool. So these guys were elite veterans that had like thirty years of service. Yeah, they were a big deal. Now while Perdiccas is over there, he goes and he puts down another rebellion in southern Anatolia, called in a place called Pisidia. And he handles this himself, and he got kind of a bad reputation. You can see he's getting a bad reputation for being brutal here. Because I gave this part of the story a name. A Tale of Two Cities. Because, while Perdiccas is putting down this revolt, he captures a city, and he completely destroys it. And then he goes on to take another city. But this second town actually heard about it, and they are going to beat him to the punch. So while they're defending the city, They burn everything. The population throws themselves into the fire. The soldiers are holding off Perticus just long enough so all the civilian population can kill themselves. Then they jump into the fire and kill themselves. And so when the Macedonians entered the city, there's just nothing but ash and dead bodies. These people offed themselves as a whole city before Perticus could get the chance.
0: Because... Like Perdiccas had such a reputation
1: for being brutal. Mm. They were gonna beat him to the punch. So that's cool. That's that. That's that yeah, there's that. Yeah. All in all, though, it's a pretty good year for Perdiccas. <laughs> this was, you know, the end of three twenty three. He's got some problems. He's taking care of it, secured his position, he's got the kings, he's putting down revolts, and now he's gonna start thinking about the future. Time to get married. Cause that's every good political, you know, career. You know, you gotta have a marriage.
0: Can't be a bachelor.
1: Can't be a bachelor. Perdicus wants to strengthen his legitimacy. At first, he asks to marry one of Antipater's daughters, a lady named Nikaia. Now, Antipater agrees, but oh no! While this is happening, Alexander's mom Olympias sends Perdicus a, mer- a message. She says, "Wouldn't you like to marry?" Alexander's sister, Cleopatra, who's conveniently single again because this other guy died. He's Leonidas. He's dead now. Perdiccas isn't quite the pickle. Olympias and Antipater, you may remember, hate each other. Yeah. And Perdiccas is in kind of a precarious situation. He needs to keep both of these people happy. Yeah. But marrying Cleopatra, Alexander's sister would give him a very legitimate claim to the throne. Begging the question, is Purdy trying to be king? Maybe. He really didn't want to share power with Antipater. So he doesn't know what to do. He gets divided advice. Our buddy Eumenes actually tells him to go ahead and marry Cleopatra. Perdiccas' brother says, no, 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 you need to marry Nikaya. Goes back and forth, back and forth. Here's what he does. He publicly declares his intent to marry Nikaya. But he sends Cleopatra a message and he says, actually, babe, I really want to marry you. You up? Yeah, basically, he's like, nah, girl, nah, that's just, you know, I, I'm just trying to let her down easy. I that's really like for, you.
0: That's just for her dad, babe.
1: You know, I just gotta, that's just for politics. I'm gonna, I wonder if this is gonna blow up in his face in any way. Yeah, it will. Um, somehow, Antigonus learned about this and really made it mad. And everyone's like, oh, Percuse is trying to be a king now. Okay. Yeah. Antigonus runs to Macedon to Antipater's court. And he tells on Perticus. Yeah, so when Tipator finds out about this, he's not going to be really happy. Now, let's get gross. No! Well, let's get gross. Okay, more okay. marriage problems. Our He's getting some... Oh, yeah! Yeah, our is getting some attention. So, Kenana, Philip's daughter from his first marriage, she has her own daughter.
0: Oh, nice to see that they're alive.
1: Yeah, actually, that is kind of interesting that, like, the whole family's getting in on this. Yeah. yeah. So, Kanana, she has um, Philip's daughter from his first marriage,
0: mm-hmm. has
1: her own daughter. Eurydice. Yep, Adea Eurydice. She wants to marry Arhadias, which would be her half-uncle. Well. Wait a minute.
0: If House of Dragon has taught us anything.
1: Yeah, the Targaryens, could be, could man. Could be
0: full uncle. This is an improvement.
1: It's true. Well, this is a threat to Perticus. Because if these two have a kid, then that kid would have even more legitimacy than little Alex number four. Because that would be two branches, that would be oh, both people would come from Philip's together. family. This is one of those brief moments, too, where everybody thought this was a bad idea. Perticus and Antipater hate each other. But even Antipater tries to stop this. Because this, nobody wants this to happen. And oh. Antip- Antipater sends some forces to try to stop her from going to marry To give her daughter to Arhadiahs. He sends some troops to stop her, but Kanana has troops, and she defeats Antipater's troops. Nice. Yeah. Then Perdiccas sends his own brother to stop her. And Kanana comes out in front of the royal army and just chews him out. How dare he stand in her way? Somehow or another, they get to fighting the armies, that is. And somehow or another, Kanana dies.
0: No. And the
1: entire empire goes crazy.
0: Yeah, that's Everybody. Philip's daughter.
1: Exactly. All the soldiers throughout the entire empire when they hear about this, even the ones way back in Babylon. They are furious. This yeah, it's a member of the royal family. And they've been killed. And
0: they've been killed by Perticus's brother.
1: Exactly. So now Perticus is in a sticky situation again. He actually has to reverse course completely. And he invites and let
0: and let Archidius and Eurydice well, get married. Well, beyond
1: let, he invites her into the city and he oversees the wedding.
0: It's like I'm in such full support of this. I got <laughs> ordained online last I have night. I've never been
1: in more support of this wedding. <laughs> it's
0: the best wedding.
1: <laughs> a lot of people say that this is the most patriotic wedding. Um, yeah, he's just like he's got to be on the right side of history, man. And so, and then we have a rebellion that breaks out. So you Woo! recall, Antigonus ran over into Macedon and told on Perticus, he's like, he yeah. doesn't want to marry your daughter, he's going to marry Cleopatra, I going to marry your daughter. <laughs> Antigonus told Antipater about this, and Antipater, still alive, not dead yet, <laughs> is furious. He saw this as a personal and political betrayal. Thus, Antipater, alongside Antigonus, and Croteros now, decide to rebel against Perticus. Guess who married another one of Antipater's daughters?
0: One of those guys. Yes, Crateros. Yes,
1: Crateros <laughs> married Philina, one of Antipater's daughters. Mm. So now he's Antipater's son-in-law. So I, I'm
0: just sitting here. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything.
1: It's about to get even more stupid. Perdiccas, this whole time, his entire career for this last year and a half, has been about avoiding a showdown, avoiding conflict. And that's all he has now everybody's disobeying him. So Antipater, Crteros, and Antigonus are ready to rebel. But Antipater needs more help. He needs an alliance with someone else who might want to take a dig at Perticus. Anybody else out there that doesn't like him?
0: Yeah, it's Ptolemy. Yeah,
1: he's in Egypt. He's just sitting there. Alright, so, finally, after two years of waiting, Alexander's funeral procession begins. (laughs) Perticus, go ahead.
0: What a great time to start.
1: I gotta tell you, even though he's dead, Alexander just had to be just kind of sitting like, really, guys? Really? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Perticus intended to accompany the hearse all the way to Macedon. But the driver, literally this is what happened, the driver of the hearse left early. And then seemed to go the wrong direction. So Perticus sends out some troops to go find the hearse and get it back on schedule. Get it back on the right path, you know. But when they get there,
2: they encounter something. Troops. Troops from Egypt. It was Ptolemy. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun.
1: Ptolemy had made his move. He stole Alexander's dead body.
0: Oh my god.
1: And he took it to Egypt.
0: Oh my god.
2: Away from Perticus.
0: Where it will remain, at least up through Octavian Augustus, and then we lose it.
1: Yes. But by so easily heisting Alexander's body, Ptolemy had made an absolute mockery out of Perticus. Two years of preparation, and the hearse was just snatched away from Perticus in, like, days.
0: I blame the driver.
1: Yeah, it, the driver was in on it, but somehow actually-
0: oh! The driver
1: gets away with it. Noice. So, together with all of Ptolemy's actions, murdering Cleomenes, that other bureaucrat dude that was his Mm co-governor, he had been expanding in North Africa and now stealing Alexander's body, this was a declaration of war. My next section is called Double Trouble. Perticus was in a very tough situation. Now he's facing two revolts on two fronts. In the north, you have Antipater, Antigonus, and Craterus in Anatolia. In the south, you have Egypt. Perticus has some advantages, though. He was in between revolting fronts. So they couldn't join together against him. That's an advantage. He had a huge veteran army under his command. He had those elite silver shields. He had Eumenes and the Cappadocian cavalry. And he had the kings. Um, He brought them with him from Babylon. So Perdiccas and his staff, they meet and they decide who they're going to attack first. It's going to be Ptolemy. He's weaker. He stole Alexander's body. He's got the treasury in Egypt because Egypt's rich. Defeating Ptolemy would put Perdiccas in the best position to go back north and defeat Antipater. And while he's done in Egypt, Perdiccas puts Eumenes in charge of holding back Antipater and everybody, keeping them busy. But Perticus had one more card to play. Cleopatra, Alexander's sister, still waiting. So now he sent her a message. He said, you know what, forget the whole Nikaya thing. I'm ready to repudiate that marriage publicly. I want to marry you, baby. And Cleopatra said no. No. (laughs) She's not going to marry Perticus now because he is not in a really good position. She's not stupid.
0: No, she's not stupid.
1: She's like, everybody hates you. I'm not going to marry you. She's like, I tell you what. If you survive this whole thing. Sure. Then come back and we'll talk about it. If. 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 Yeah. If. If. So we're going to come back and talk about after this is over. Again, Antigonus, Antipater, and Crateros hear about this, and this is an even bigger slap in the face, and so now they're even more mad. Summer of 321, the final showdown. In Anatolia, in the north, Eumenes struggles with, it, with Antipater, but we'll get that in our episode about them. Meanwhile, Perticus heads south into Egypt. Now, this would definitely going to be tough by itself. He'd have to cross the Nile, mm. which was historically difficult to do sometimes. Yep, Hippos. Um, that's right. If you want to hold Egypt, you just hold the Nile. That's it. And things go wrong for Perticus immediately. For some reason, he gets down to Egypt, and I guess he wants to make sure everyone's loyal to him, so he holds a mock trial to accuse Ptolemy of treason. Ptolemy's not there. Someone comes to speak for him, but Ptolemy's not there. The army still votes to acquit Ptolemy. (laughs)
2: So
1: that's kind of embarrassing. So, all, so then Perticus has to dip into that treasury and bribe all the officers and all the commanders to keep their troops loyal. Because now he can't trust them. Now he's getting shifty. Now he's getting shaky. He's realizing his troops really don't want to be here. And a lot of them are starting to desert to Ptolemy. And there's a concern that a lot of them are starting to feed information to Ptolemy. So we've got to get across this river, and we've got to get across it now. So he does a bunch of forced marches during the night, and he finds this one crossing at across from a fort called the Camel's Rampart. This is round one. At first light, Perdiccas gives the order for his troops to begin crossing the river. And they're about halfway across. They notice something that's pretty frustrating. Ptolemy was there. Oh. And his forces were going into that fort. Mm. So Perdiccas had lost the element of surprise, but his forces were halfway across. And as Rom says, there was no choice now but to slug it out with Ptolemy's men and with Ptolemy himself, who had entered the fort and was making ready to lead its defenders in person. And that's exactly what Perdiccas did. He sent the silver shields in, those elite troops to scale the walls. He used his elephants to batter the mud brick walls with their heads. And he kept going for most of the day, but eventually Perdiccas tells them to pull back. Round two. So, he only gives them a short rest, but that same day, only a few hours later, Perticus ordered his exhausted men to make another forced march south to find another crossing point. They eventually find one um, across from the city of Memphis. Hmm. Now, here, the Nile Delta had uh, united into one stream. So, the water was flowing a lot faster. And the place that Perticus found was... uh, there was an island that was in the middle of the river. And so it was diverting the, the, the river flow again.
2: Mm. So
1: he could cross over to that island. His whole army could get on the island if he could just get there. But the waters are really choppy here. He sends his soldiers across the next day, next morning. So they could actually wade across there. The their water is going up to their chins. So Porticus has a pretty good idea. To make it easier on his soldiers, what he does is he positions some elephants to walk ahead of them, and they're going to block the water a little bit.
0: Oh, nice. Just okay. to break
1: up the you know, yeah, the, the current, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you know, where his men are walking, on the other side of his men, he's going to have his cavalry go ahead, and they're just going to catch anybody that slips. It's a pretty good idea. Nice. So it's just, yeah. you know, anybody who straggles and slips, got you. Uh, slowing down the water so it's easier for you to walk, got you. Here's the problem. The heavy feet of the animals... Dislodged the silt on the riverbed and it actually caused the riverbed because it like it just kicked up a lot of dirt. Oh, and then all of a sudden, the riverbed gets deeper out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, these guys were already up to their chin with the water, and now because the elephants and the horses are just kind of kicking up so much dirt on the like the, the riverbed, it made it a little bit deeper. So, all of a sudden, these guys are walking across. And they just start slipping and they just can't make it. They yeah. actually thought that Ptolemy had like opened up a canal.
0: Oh, so that's strong. And deepened the word. water.
1: So they're panicking extra now. Mm-hmm. So now, at this point, only half of Perticus's soldiers had even made it across. So there was not enough to defend the island. But he had to cancel the crossing because people were drowning. So he actually has to tell these guys who were over there, half of his army. Come back. Come back. And but they, they can't say, walk anymore. No, They can't walk anymore. Mm-hmm they have to swim
2: mm.
1: so they t- they have to take off their of armor their, yeah. they have to leave their weapons behind to start swimming across so the strong swimmers they were able to do it problem is a lot of them could not and they were swept down the river and drowned and never seen again but to quote james rom again perdiccas situation had become nightmarish but the worst horror was yet to come The thrashing of drowning men attracted Nile crocodiles, which arrived in swarms and began to feed on both the living and the dead. More than 2,000 were were lost, either to the rushing waters or to the snapping jaws of the beasts. Later that evening, (laughs) (laughs) the infantry is mad, and so they're like mourning and lamenting their dead comrades, and they're angry at Perdiccas. They had lost perhaps... Like, almost a third of their number. People who they'd served with for 13 years, and now are dead just within a couple of days. And really in a very dishonorable way.
0: Yeah, like you don't even get to say you went down in yeah. like the blaze of glory of a battle.
1: Got eat by a damn crocodile, you know? To top it all off, for all they knew, the Empire had been lost. What they didn't know was that Yemenis had actually pulled off some very stunning victories in Anatolia. And if they had heard this, they actually might have had some more confidence and they might have trusted Perticus and given him some more time, but they didn't know. Meanwhile, Ptolemy was making all of this worse for Perticus because he was busy gathering the bodies of all those soldiers that drowned and gave them honorable cremations. The message was simple. Ptolemy cared more about Perdicus's troops than even Perticus himself did. So now, let's end this. Perticus had failed. Yeah. In every sense of the term. Not just in this battle, but just at being Perticus. He failed. He had three of his main officers that were with him. Pathon, Antigones, and Seleucus. Backed by a hundred followers, they rushed into Perticus's tent and stabbed him during the night. (gasps) The first one to strike him was Antigones, who was the commander of the Silver Shields. So, in that way, he avenged yeah. their squandered deaths. So, now I'm going to finish up by just reading um, James Rom's final words about Perticus. So ended the brief reign of Perticus, Alexander's top ranking bodyguard and inheritor of his signet ring. He had begun his time in power by killing his own men under the feet of elephants and ended up by killing them in the maws of crocodiles. The compromise government he had forged at Babylon designed to preserve the balance and unity of the continents, had been smashed to ruins. The empire was utterly divided and leaderless and spattered with the blood of the generals who had founded it. These men had made all of Western Asia their battleground. Soon, the violence would spread to Europe as well, engulfing Athens, the Greek world, and the Macedonian homeland itself. The reign of the joint kings went on into its third year. Because the whole time this is happening, those two kings are just sitting there in camp. All right. Perdicus is dead. What do you think, Meredith? Oh my gosh, Meredith, what happened?
0: I went to sleep.
1: You went to sleep?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And why are we in another room?
0: Because I slept in that room.
1: Yeah, and I think we decided that we can't record in the bedroom anymore.
0: No, too much uh, trial and error with soundproofing.
1: Yeah, so we're back in the living room tonight. While we uh, do the ratings for Perticus, so there's a jump in sound quality. That's it. Yep. All right. So, let's just jump right into it. Perticus was quite the interesting dude.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say a lot to get through for someone you were like, he doesn't last very long. There's I some, know. There's some jam-packed years. He was
1: really surprising. I guess that's a measure of like, yeah, you can suck so much that people won't shut up about your brief reign of stupid Aristeia battle prowess okay so he put down some rebellions and that's kind of it he really didn't get a chance to do much militarily and then he went to Egypt and any hope he had for success was wiped when he was trying to cross the Nile
0: yeah and he didn't seem to leave anybody in a good position for after he died, it's not like he snatched some victory that was going to be helpful to his allies. I will say, though, he did seem to do kind of well at the beginning, putting down the rebellions and everything, so I'll give him a three.
1: Okay. Um, I see your point there. I think that I would be inclined to give him a few more points with putting down the rebellions. But then the Egypt thing, man, I mean, after that first problem crossing the river i would have tried something else and not tried to do it again then get all my men eaten by crocodiles so i'm gonna have to give him a two okay okay all right moving on eutychia success no, uh, no. okay pros yeah
0: he kind of gets all his traps settled he
1: does do that
0: cons some of them kill one another but is that really on him
1: Father, help.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, fault. He does seem to get Macedon settled. Everything seems Yeah. like people are in their spots, and now it's a matter of, like, are you all going to behave yes. in your spots? Yeah. However, by the time he died, people were already not behaving in their spots
1: yeah i think he started really well yeah and then some
0: super smart like maneuvering against like meleaguer and all that i was like this is clever this is like some lannister stuff from game of thrones
1: absolutely Um, it's one of the reasons i love this period man
0: yeah i went first last time you go first this time okay
1: sure I think he started off really well, mm-hmm. and I think he was brilliant in the way that he was handling some of these compromises and some of these negotiations, how he dealt with Meleager which was badass. I mean, the dude set Meleager up to watch his buddies get trampled on by elephants. Mm. That's savage. I think he was a bit heavy-handed, and I think that that is shown immediately with Antigonus and... I think I cut it from the episode but like those he he massacred 20,000 Greek soldiers who were just wanting to go back home, which is a complete egregious waste of manpower. Then he mishandled the whole Cleopatra situation. Mm-hmm. He started out very strong. The satrapal arrangements were good, but he played his hand to
0: I think you He went
1: too, he went too far.
0: Yeah, I think you phrased it well in the episode when you know he did do that to Maleiger and those men, and I, you said something like Essentially, if people weren't paranoid about him, to begin with, now they were super paranoid.:
1: He was know. so what did you
0: say? He
1: was so paranoid that he made everybody else paranoid about him.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's just the way mm-hmm. I, that like it popped in my head. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give him a two again.
0: A 2. I'll give him a 2.
1: All right. We're probably being super rough on him, but hey, that's the fun of this. Well, and also he sucked. <laughs> and that's the thing is like I would like to give him more points for the, the smart stuff he did. It's just well, he kept tanking so much towards the end. I mean, but also think about the Egypt thing. He did that mock trial before he went into Egypt? Oh, yeah. And his soldiers were like, "Nah, we're cool with Ptolemy." It gets like the whole thing with legitimacy is
0: People have to like you. Yeah.
1: Okay, like, there's three basic kinds of legitimacy, according to Max Weber. You got charismatic legitimacy, you know, your personality, mm-hmm. people pulled towards you, mm-hmm. institutional legitimacy, the the institution laws, you know, the idea of nation states and stuff, and then traditional legitimacy, you know, just, we've always done this. Mm-hmm. Perticus did not have the institutional legitimacy, because there is no institution. Thank you, Alexander. The traditions are there, but they're kind of shaky. And so his biggest thing was his charisma, but he had none of it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He could not command the loyalty of his troops. He could not inspire that loyalty. And in that situation, when you're unable to inspire that loyalty, the very worst thing you can do is act with a heavy hand. Because people, if they don't like you, they're only going to follow you because they're afraid of you. And in that situation, you have to make sure they're always afraid of you because the moment they're not, they're going to push back, which is what we saw. Meredith is in deep thought.
0: I'm trying to decide if I want to change to a three, if anything, just for the sake that our and Alex Four are still alive and viewed as the You know what? That
1: is an excellent point. He did secure that, and that stayed until they died.
0: But they're not dead yet.
1: Exactly. And so for all intents and purposes of this moment, you know, that's a success. I'll give him a three.
0: Bump, yeah, bump me back up to three, because he did oversee the settlement of the plan of the joint rule. And when he dies, they are still joint ruling.
1: And those, and those satrapal assignments actually do kind of last for the most part. I mean, there is a lot of civil war. I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, Antipater's family stays in Macedon until they're ran out. Ptolemy. Holds Egypt forever. <laughs> for years. Yeah. So, I mean, there is some shifting around, but he does give us a pretty stable start.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Okie dokie.
1: Akon, his image.
0: So, ever since I learned the name Perticus, I have been Googling and searching and combing sources for a contemporary, heck, not even contemporary image of Perticus. I can't find any. So thanks to the suggestion of Czar Power, I'm pulling his likeness from the Alexander Colin Firth movie. So I have multiple pictures. I'll just show Dustin one, but I'll post them all um, on our social medias. Okay, here's your first one. I don't know the context of the scene, but he's standing there. He's got the bleach blonde hair, arms crossed, and he looks ticked off.
1: I hate him. No, that's this is fine. Good, no, no, it's good casting. This, I mean, they really kind of, I'll be honest with you, when I think of Perticus, this is pretty much what I see. I mean, I see a guy who's stern, who really is going to have a hard time getting anyone to like him, but he's probably very loyal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what we have here is a person who would fail at stand-up comedy. That's a face that would make his own mother uh, shudder.
0: Okay, I've got one more. All right. Presumably when something in Alexander's lifetime has gone very wrong.
1: Oh, my gosh. Is this him? This is the same guy?
0: It says it is. We may just want to base it off the first one and not trust this uh,
1: this
0: Pinterest. (laughs) The
1: look in this guy's eyes, this is the kind of guy that would have a bunch of people trampled by elephants those eyes. Yeah. They don't have emotion.
0: Well, I guess one thing to kind of ask as we move forward, um obviously we're not going to always have pictures or coins or things of people. And so if I keep going with this fun idea of pulling them from movies, well of course that's going to look better than any like contemporary like mosaic or sculpture or something. So I almost feel like I should rate them lower just because like Actually, historically, there is no image of him.
1: I think by default, we should really rank him lower because he has no images by default. Yeah, yeah, but But that was
0: fun to look at. But
1: I do think it's a good idea to use modern, you know, imagery.
0: Oh, and if I could have found something like, like, I know Battle Royale is always having, like, a lot of 19th century engravings and stuff. If I could have found anything like that's what that, I'm saying, I yeah. would have pulled it. Of course.
2: Of course. So, but in,
0: in lieu
1: of that, this is all we yeah. have. And that's the point. Yeah. That this is all we have is just some interesting casting details. Yeah, he
0: wasn't worth <laughs> commemorating. I'm gonna... I
1: love how you're twirling your hair as you say this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I
0: don't know. No, I think I will give him a two. I'll like and here's my reasoning. 1 point for the fact of like he hasn't been deemed important enough to be depicted artistically throughout history, but also 1 point for the fact that he does have a movie depiction. He does appear in film.
1: I'll also give him 2 and here's my reasons why. Similar to yours, the fact that he's got some depiction in film. I'll give him a point for that. Um I'll also give him another point because I have a suspicion that the fact that we don't have images of him might have been a little bit intentional. I found a coin that depicted Philip III, our so Alexander's half-brother, mm-hmm. as king. But it was struck by Perdiccas, And that made hmm. sense to me because if he's truly trying to maintain his legitimacy, as we saw in the beginning, you know, when he comes to that whole spectacle, he's like, I'm not trying to seize power. This is Alexander's throne. Here's the ring. Here are the robes. I'm just the guy who's been given the job. He's not trying to aggrandize his position, at least at first.
0: Yeah, maybe if he had uh, if won he'd... and married Cleopatra, maybe we'd have a exactly.
1: ton of coins, but, but, but in the beginning, putting his face on the coin would have been the dumbest thing he could do. Yeah. So I'll give him a I, I'll not penalize him for that. Okay. So I, but the but beyond that, the very fact that we have nothing throughout any period of history that I've seen,
2: mm-hmm.
1: nor do we have any even descriptions of him. I mean, at least with oh, Alexander. Maybe not.
0: I thought you would have at least I was hoping that you would be like, Yeah, but I do have like a description that he was like tall with blonde hair and blue eyes. It's
1: possible that I just didn't see it, but I didn't well, it's possible that it's out there and I missed it, but I didn't see it. That's okay. But if anyone out there in the pod universe finds something, send it our way. So, but is that a four or two for two?
0: Two for two. All
1: right. Okay. One of my favorite categories, Mania. Craziness.
0: I don't think he was crazy. I think he was just made bad choices. 100% agree. hmm. Um,
1: okay. We do need to address this because we talked about this. When, I, when we did Alexander, there was that debate of, like, okay, what is crazy, and, like, yeah. what can we call crazy? I propose this. We're not going to make light of mental health, obviously, and we're not making light of atrocities. I propose that we characterize Mania as looking at somebody's character or someone's actions and saying, what the hell were they thinking?
0: That's fine. In yeah. that case, I'm definitely giving them a couple points for just, like, pointlessly killing those 20,000. Yep. Because they wanted to go home.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, all, there's a such thing as just making a mistake. Yeah. Like the Cleopatra thing. hmm Kind of, you know, just kind of being shifty with who he was going to marry.
2: hmm The
1: 20,000 people. That's a bit harsh, dude. Calm down. I'll even say the way he dealt with the Malieger situation was a
2: bit harsh.
0: That I take more as clever political machinations. Okay. Rather than... I don't look at that and then look at the 20,000 and say, this ranks the same.
1: How about this? Okay, I don't want to influence your scores. I totally get your point. It was just smart politics, you know, in the sense that it was cutthroat. I'm going to maintain my point there because there are ways to kill people instead of having them trampled on by elephants. No,
0: that's, yeah, yeah. that's valid. I'm going to say four.
1: You're going to say four? All right, I'm actually... You're, you're being a little bit meaner than I am right now. I'm going to go say three. Here we go. This is the one where we need that calcumetator. Ready? Kronos. Time. Now, here is where Meredith and I has made a discovery. Twice. We figured out we were doing <laughs> the math wrong twice. So, originally, the idea was that every year would get 0. .65 points because we were dividing 13 into 20.
0: We were dividing 20 13 into by
1: 20. We were dividing 13 by 20, and we figured out that we're supposed to do it the other way around. hmm Thirteen into twenty.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. So when we do that, every year of every of someone's reign gets them one point five four points. Mm-hmm. So Perdicus range for two years.
0: That is a 3.08.
1: <laughs> okay. Good job, Purdy. And the bonus point. Catastrophe. Did his ass get assinated? Yes. Yes, he did. So no bonus he gets point. No point. He gets no bonus point. Yeah. All right. Meredith, you want to do the honors? Sure. You ready?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Here we go from the top. For Aristeia, we gave him five. For Eutychia, we gave him six. For Akon, we gave him four. For Mania... We gave him seven for Kronos, 3.08.
2: And we get a total.
0: 25.08.
2: Okay. He sucks. Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: Meredith. Yes.
1: Does Perdicus get the Alexander Standard? No. No, he doesn't. <laughs> so we're going to start doing that now. Which I have to confess, I forgot my dear wife reminded me of. Now that we're doing the successors in earnest, at the end of every ranking we ask that question, do they rise up to the Alexander Standard? And Perticus does not. Nope. So Perticus will go to the River of Styx, and he will go to Tartarus, where he shall be, he's just going to have a lot of bad days. Mediocre. Yeah. So, yeah, Mm 25.08. Too bad Purdy.
0: Poor bird. All right. Meredith,
1: you got some uh, stuff for us?
0: Yeah. Well, wrapping up, um, like we said, this is the first episode we're recording post the release, the debut of the first four. So just had a couple of thank yous. Um, First and foremost, just thank you to everybody that has listened and followed us on social media and commented. Millions of fans. Yeah. (laughs) Sure.
1: You can't dissuade me.
0: Okay. But I wanted to give a we wanted to give a special thanks to Pontifax, So You Think You Can Rule Persia. Woo woo. Czar Power, Queen's Podcast, and Battle Royale for really taking us under their wings. Absolutely. In these first couple months um and answering at least all my questions and then really quickly too just wanted to give a shout out to those that have retweeted us promoted us shared us um so we've got the totalis groupium group on facebook history of persia uh, andrew schneider who's soon becoming our uh, super, super fan, fan for also letting us know our audio had messed up in an episode he's a trooper yeah presidencies podcast historic fans totalis ranchium times of frederick the great lafayette podcast and post-apocalyptic pod also thank you to all our friends who listened to our pilot episode and took the survey and gave us the feedback but that is all for today folks make sure to give us a like and a follow and a rating wherever you find us we are available on most podcasting apps and join us next time for
1: the alexander standard and make sure to get your crocodile shoes.